It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Harris Faulkner. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Janice Dean. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, September 25th, 2023. I'm Ryan Schmelz. Senator Bob Menendez remains defiant after his indictment on bribery charges and shows no signs of stepping down. He didn't directly say that he was going to run for re-election, but he implied it and basically said he will be exonerated and uh, he will continue being the senior senator from New Jersey. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez faced the cameras for the first time since being accused of taking part in a years-long bribery scheme, making it clear he thinks he'll be exonerated. Prosecutors allege Menendez took hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes to use his position to help three businessmen and benefit Egypt's government. Some are calling on the senator to resign, while others haven't said much. He just is not going to go anywhere. We're speaking to Fox News senior congressional correspondent Chad Pergram. He didn't directly say that he was going to run for re-election, but he implied it and basically said he will be exonerated and uh, he will continue being the senior senator from New Jersey. Now, there's going to be a lot of pressure when he gets back to Washington on uh, Wednesday. He's going to be arraigned in federal court on Wednesday, says he's coming back to help avert a government shutdown. You had a number of members come out over the past couple of days say, you need to step aside. Uh, You had people like uh, Mark Kelly from Arizona and Chris Murphy from Connecticut basically saying, we don't see how he can continue to do his work Uh, when you have charges of this magnitude. Uh, There are some who might have given him a pass on the last indictment that was unrelated, Uh, notably Cory Booker, the Democratic senator from New Jersey. The junior senator from New Jersey uh, appeared as a character witness in his trial. But the difference this time, Ryan, is that you have this concrete evidence. You have these gold bars. You have a car, a Mercedes Benz. Uh, You have, you know, jackets stuffed with cash. Just the concreteness of that, I think, has put some of these fellow colleagues off, whereas you had this rather cryptic uh, influence scheme trying to help somebody, a doctor in Florida last time around. This seems a little bit different for the senator. Right. And when we talk about some of those images that you're talking about, you know, they've been plastered everywhere on social media. And and do you think just that that visual evidence that you see there being used by the prosecutors in this case just makes it that much more compelling or at least make gives, uh, you know, political rivals that much more ammunition here? Well, they kind of viewed him as as half damaged before, but he won re-election. A lot of people thought in 2018 that this would undercut his credibility. Uh, It really didn't. You know, there was a senator uh, or a juror, I should say, at the the trial last time asking, you know, uh, what is a senator? Uh, So, you know, but this goes on, you know, this continued trend of problems we've had with corruption and alleged corruption in New Jersey. This is the second time that Bob Menendez has faced indictment. You had Bob Torricelli, uh, who had to step down, was the senator uh, beforehand about 20 years ago. He accepted inappropriate gifts. And then one of the most notorious corruption cases 
in U.S. history came with Harrison Williams, who was a senator from New Jersey from the late 50s until the early 1980s. He was part of the Abscam scandal, and uh, they were going to kick him out of the Senate. Keep in mind that it takes a two-thirds vote to expel in the Senate. They had the votes to do so, and he stepped aside. So this is just this continuing black eye for senators from New Jersey. And and we don't have an idea right now if they, if they would be able to expel Menendez or at least have the, the votes to do so. But you are starting to see some political rumblings, as we've already talked about, a lot of people calling on him to resign from the New York delegation, as well as a uh, significant amount of politicians in New Jersey, like Governor Phil Murphy. But you have Andy Kim, the representative from New Jersey, uh, mounting now a, a primary challenge to Menendez if Menendez decides to run again. And then Jeff Van Drew has been on our, our, um, our airwaves saying that he's flirting with an idea of running for for senate in new jersey do we think that he is politically uh vulnerable now or is he still safe considering the fact he's been in the job for years now and he is a democrat in a blue state oh this seat is probably now in play and and the fact that you might have questions about who is the nominee at the top of the ticket uh, if it's going to be, in fact, Andy Kim or somebody else who would defeat Senator Menendez, or if Menendez gets the nomination, which I think a lot of Democrats would not like, this changes the Senate map fundamentally. It's one thing to be concerned about a swing state like Nevada or Arizona or, you know, even, you know, red states, frankly, where Democrats are facing uh, challenging reelection bids uh, next cycle, Ohio with Sherrod Brown. John Tester in Montana. It's one thing to say, okay, maybe it's a jump ball. These guys have proven they can win tough elections. But then you put this other seat that's a blue state on the radar. And this is where a lot of Democrats would say, we just like him and the problem to go away. And let's let Andy Kim or somebody else, whoever it might be, fight it out. And we can win because it's a Democratic state. Otherwise, you have this, you know, this cloud hanging over that race. And Ryan, when you get a 51-49 Senate, anything can happen. Everything's a jump ball. So that's a problem. And we've also seen evidence that, you know, Republicans have had some success running statewide races in New Jersey, maybe not in mm-hmm. this on the Senate side, but, you know, Chris Christie winning reelection as governor. And then, you know, most recently, Phil Murphy had a tough contest getting reelected as governor of the state. Yeah, exactly. And that's where some people think that, you know, Chris Christie is way toward the bottom of the pack in the presidential race. Uh, Would they draft him? I mean, and I don't know that you need Chris Christie, somebody who's been elected statewide on the Republican side of the aisle, uh, you know, to run, you know, maybe a Jeff Van Drew, who used to be a Democrat, by the way, uh, or or some other Republican could run just because there's this level of corruption or perceived uh, corruption at the top. And what do we make of the rest of the reaction towards uh, Menendez? You know, certainly we've heard Schumer come out and release a statement, a very brief statement over the weekend saying that he, you know, supports his decision to, to resign as chairman. That was what the White House said as well. But we haven't seen them come out and give a concrete answer on whether or not he should resign or not. You, What do you make of kind of, I don't know if silence is the right word here, but, you know, maybe the lack of clarity or lack of really hard statement from them so far. I think that Schumer's uh, folks were waiting to see what Menendez was going to do. And if he did the right thing, then they don't have to say as much. Uh, since they probably don't think he did the right thing, and it creates all these headaches that I just spelled out, uh, this is going to be a conversation in the Senate Democratic lunch on Wednesday here at the Capitol about what to do about him. And also, I should note that maybe Chuck Schumer, you know, a lot of members are when there's ethics issues, are willing to give others a little bit of deference. So there was a little bit of that uh, initially 
There was certainly more of that several years ago with the first indictment, but now you have this 51-49 Senate. Um, again, the, the concrete evidence, the damning visuals, you know, bars of gold and cars, uh, you know, that's a real problem for them. And, and that's where I think Senator Schumer was probably trying to say, okay, I'm going to keep my powder dry here. Let's see what he has to say. Let's see what the prosecutor in the Southern District of New York has to say, and then we'll put something else out. And also, you know, keep in mind that it is Yom Kippur uh, right now. Senator Schumer, in fact, I talked to him about fasting, uh, which, uh, you know, Jews do for Yom Kippur as he left the Capitol on Thursday. Uh, you, you know, so what you do if you're Jewish on Yom Kippur and, and, and you're, you're pretty strict about this, you, you don't eat and you don't use media and you don't use equipment and, and so on and so forth. So it's probably, you know, not unheard of to not have a statement here from from Senator Schumer about Menendez, and maybe that actually works in his favor because he doesn't have to say something right now, frankly, because of the holiday. And well, we can expect a lot of questions hurled at Democrats, you think, over the next couple of days when they come back here, even though we are dealing with the government shutdown and a number of other issues, but it's going to be hard not to talk about this. Yes. And in fact, this has kind of eclipsed when it comes to you know press coverage about what's been going on on Capitol Hill, anything to deal with the government shutdown, which has kind of been kind of blasé the past few days because, A, the Republicans who control the House have no plan to keep the government open. Uh, it is yet unseen if they can even pass these bills that they cooked up over the weekend, individual appropriations bills, maybe so, but that doesn't address funding the government. Uh, so what has taken all the news oxygen here, consumed all of it the past uh, three or four days, is this indictment of Menendez. So, you know, there's no no news to report the fact that Republicans are struggling to pass their spending bills. That's old news. We've known that for a while now. Menendez is new and it's hot. And anytime you have somebody who's faced significant criminal corruption charges before, I talked to you about the history of New Jersey, and I talked to you about what this means about the, the control of the Senate. Uh, you know, that's a bigger story right now. But that will probably change come Thursday or Friday night and certainly Saturday if the government shuts down, Ryan. And that's what we'll be yeah. talking about then. <laughs> Absolutely. But does, but does it shock you at all? This has gotten the attention it has where this has kind of overtaken some of the other big news stories that are going on on no. the Hill. Where no, not no, for the very reasons I just spelled out. No, I, I mean, I think, as I said, there's been this kind of cryogenic freeze with the Republicans trying to figure out how to, you know, pass their own bills. If it was, it would be one thing if they were here this past weekend and they were working on bills to actually fund the government and keep the government open. Uh, that's not what they worked on. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of old news, old hat. And so that's why this has eclipsed that. We're speaking to Fox News senior congressional correspondent Chad Pergram about the latest in the indictment of New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. More after this. And if we could touch on the government, potential government shutdown real quick, too. Where do things stand and what can we expect timeline wise when everybody comes back tomorrow and we start seeing some more legislative action? Well, you probably don't see anything really until about Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, the Republicans worked over the weekend to try to get agreement on their own spending bills to demonstrate progress to their rank and file members that, oh, we're going to do these individual bills. And maybe if we do the individual bills and show that we can do that, uh, maybe you'll vote for an interim spending bill to keep the government open. Uh, you still have a number of Republicans who just don't want to do a stopgap spending bill. Uh, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, for instance, she announced over the weekend that she was now a hard no, her perception that there's money for Ukraine 
in the defense bill, which is one of the, the big bills they're trying to move. And so the bigger problem, eventually, if Kevin McCarthy has to turn to Democrats, which is the only recipe in the building right now, Ryan, to keep the government open, that they get this coalition of Democrats and Republicans together to do this, uh, then probably Matt Gates, the Republican from Florida, drops his resolution uh, to have a revote on the speakership. Now, we don't think that they're actually going to kick out Kevin McCarthy on the spot. He probably succeeds there. But th- th- does that happen before there's a shutdown? Does it happen while they're trying to negotiate this to fund the government? Does it happen sometimes early next week? Does the government actually shut down? Do we have a technical shutdown over the weekend because they haven't passed the bill and they say move something through the House and then they get it through the senator, vice versa? You know, uh, Senator Schumer, again, before he left and before we were discussing uh, Yom Kippur, uh, he noted that uh, he had filed what we call up here as cloture on the FAA reauthorization bill. What people have completely lost in this conversation is that also expiring on October 1st is reauthorization for the FAA and agriculture programs, major things, the the farm bill. So that will be attached in some form to this, but what he did was he filed cloture on the motion to proceed to the FAA reauthorization bill. That bill is not going to be just about the FAA. They're gonna put some version of spending in it, to reopen the government or keep the government open for a short period of time, uh, probably re-up the FAA, maybe disaster relief, maybe something on Ukraine, and then they send it back uh, to the House. So that's what he was doing to try to, at least mechanically, from the parliamentary mechanic standpoint, get the ball rolling there because everything was going to be dark, at least from his perspective, over in the Senate over uh, the weekend and, and certainly for the Jewish holiday. Yeah. And when we kind of when when that kind of gets back to the house, I think one thing that we're noticing is you have a lot a lot of hard liners who've said like Matt Rosendale they will never vote for uh, a CR. You've had a number of representatives say they would do that, but then you've also had some moderates come out like Mike Lawler this week who said that he's going to start working with Democrats on getting some type of bipartisan CR rolling and you kind of mentioned what McCarthy would be willing to do. And I remember I was talking to August Pfluger, uh, the representative from Texas last week at, or last Friday I believe, and kind of asked him, "Hey, are you concerned that enough Republicans would sign on to a discharge petition?" to get a CR rolling, and then all of a sudden you end up with a more liberal CR than anything that the Republicans ever wanted to see passed. And he said he's absolutely worried about that, and that's why the party needs to be on the same page. Do you think that's a possibility? Well, a discharge petition parliamentarily is probably a non-starter at this at this stage because that takes a certain amount of time to get that that through the House. I mean, that, that is a pretty... Um, challenging gambit. It's only been successful a couple of times in the past 20 years. McCain-Feingold back uh, in the early 2000s and also uh, several years ago uh, to uh, re-up the XM Bank, the Export-Import Bank. So that ship has probably sailed. Uh, You know, Kevin McCarthy, you know, he has kind of indicated that he knows the direction that this is going to go, that he's never said he's going to work with Democrats. He's like, well, let's just do an interim CR and let's get as many Republicans on board as we can. And, and, and that proposal, you know, and this is this is where actually this is ironic. It probably helps Kevin McCarthy if he can't pass any of his bills the next couple of days, which is a distinct possibility, frankly, because, as I say, it's about the math. And based on what you say about Rosendale and I talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene and some others, uh, the votes might not be there. 
And if that is in fact the case, then Kevin McCarthy can say, what do you expect me to do? We can't pass anything. We cannot have a shutdown. So I told you guys to pass some bills so we had more leverage. You didn't do it. So now we have to get eaten. Now now we're eaten alive by the Senate. The Senate's going to jam us. And that's exactly what will happen. So, uh, you know, I appreciate what Congressman Lawler is saying, but I don't think that's the direction this is going to go. Chad Perkram, thanks for joining us on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition, as always. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.